Fellowship Church devotional podcast to make sure you have the spiritual nourishment that you need to make it through these difficult times. Last week, we looked at Psalm 139, addressing two attributes of God, His omniscience and His omnipresence. That is, that God is all-knowing and that He's everywhere present at all times. Today, we are going to break down the second half of Psalm 139 and look at His omnipotence and His holiness. Today's topic, Attributes of God, Part 2, His Omnipotence and His Holiness. Our passage today comes from Psalm 139, verses 13 through 24, but we'll take it six verses at a time. Let's go to the scriptures. Verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in the secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. In these six verses, David highlights the omnipotence of God. This is a fancy way of saying that God is all-powerful. David is also the author of Psalm 19 that starts out, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the work of His hands. God's power is on display everywhere, through a telescope examining the heavens, and now through a microscope in the development of a child in the womb. According to verses 13 and 14, we can trust that the same God who spoke the vastness of heavens into existence was also involved in forming us individually in our mother's womb. David did not have sonograms to get insight into the development of a child, nor did he have a clue about information encoded in DNA but undoubtedly he recognized the evidence of wisdom and design in the process. Every person has in their body sufficient proof that an omnipotent God exists. I'll mention just a few. It's estimated that the human body has over 30 trillion cells. These are individual complex machines working alone or within organ systems to carry out all the functions you need for life. Your brain alone has 10 billion nerve cells processing 100,000 chemical reactions per second to record what you see and hear. The heart muscle beats over 103,000 times each day, pumping your blood cells through a distance of 168 million miles through arteries, veins, and blood vessels. Couple that with your lungs, which automatically breathe in the right amount of life-giving oxygen that just happens to be mixed in the right proportions in our atmosphere. Each of the other organs and glands in your body works in conjunction with each other to sustain life, which science cannot explain nor can it recreate. The fact that these bodies in which we live are self-regulating, self-healing, and able to reproduce more human beings should absolutely keep us in awe of the one who designed them. Ignoring this kind of evidence, as Paul says in Romans chapter 1, renders a person without excuse. To say that something as finely balanced and complex as the human body is the result of sheer chance over time is nothing short of ludicrous. A few other observations from this portion. God not only created us, but according to verse 16, he also ordained each one of our days before any of them came to be. That means God is truly sovereign. Verses 17 and 18 says that the Lord has constant thoughts of us, more than the sands on the seashore. Our response to God's omnipotence should be like that of David in verses 17 and 18. God's thoughts of us should be precious to us, and we ought to stand amazed, in awe of such a powerful God. Let's move on to the next six verses, as they focus on God's holiness. A warning, these verses may come across as harsh, but I hope to put them in a good frame of reference. Verse 19. 
Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who ride up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them as my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Now I know what you're thinking. I was just making a little progress trying to love my enemies, and now your word tells me I'm supposed to hate them? How can I love them and hate them at the same time? How can we reconcile this apparent discrepancy? Well, God is holy, and because he is holy, he cannot condone sin. It would be unjust, and God is perfectly just. Proverbs 8.13 says that to fear God is to hate evil. We cannot truly love God and be complacent about sin. We are called to be holy as he is holy, and as such, so should our standard for right and wrong be the same. We are without doubt to love all people, but we have no obligation to love or condone sinful behavior or lifestyles. When verse 19 says, the wicked, these are the people who sin not as part of the human condition, but rather it's those who have completely rejected God and have even become hostile to the Lord and his people. Theologian R.C. Sproul explains it this way, If there is such a thing as perfect hatred, it would mirror and reflect the righteousness of God. It would be perfect to the extent that it excluded sinful attitudes of malice, envy, bitterness, and other attitudes we normally associated with human hatred. In this sense, a perfect hatred could be deemed compatible with a love for one's enemies. One who hates his enemy with a perfect hatred is still called to act in a loving and righteous manner toward him. We now must examine ourselves. Verses 23 and 24 are a call to personal holiness. May we be willing to pray the same words penned by David. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. If we prayed those words, what would God find, as if he didn't know already? How would we be compelled to change? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, that's what we're doing right now. We want you to search us and to know us, to show us the areas where we need to confess before you. Then we're asking you to shape us in your image that we may be holy as you are holy. We thank you for your power in creating and sustaining us. May we never grow tired of standing in the awe of your greatness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Join us here Monday through Friday for more devotions from the Bible Fellowship Church pastoral staff and on Sundays for our online services. You can now join us in person on Sundays for service at 9 and 11 or catch them streamed on live, live on YouTube or on Facebook. Go to our website, www.bfcsebring.com, for the links for the services, as well as service updates and other helpful articles. Have a blessed day.